Hey guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a lot of other platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's basically everything you need to make a podcast all in one place and what we use to record your business. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What's up, y'all? I'm JJ McCorvey, a journalist who writes about business and blackness. And I'm Shayna Watson, a fashion industry professional and writer with my eye on the social and cultural impact of trends and style. And, and this, this is Yo business. business. There's a man with no future, so it seems. Word? <laughs> now, <laughs> now he's trapped into thinking he won't succeed. It's hard to do it without the music. Live your life today, not for tomorrow. I have no idea what this is. Oh. You stopped me, stopped finally. You, you know, I've been trying. It's finally something on UPN that I couldn't you know watch what? as the, a kid. It might it actually might be. Because we what? did have UPN. Did you watch Rock? Yeah. Oh, that's uh, Rock? Rock. So, you know, first season they did God Help the Child. Uh-huh. Second season they had this, like, in Vogue song or okay. something. Okay. So, you put a trickery. I got yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> but I forgot about that UPN clause yeah. that I can't use. Those. I mean, you can, but remember the last one I only got because you imitated Brandy's that's voice. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And you know. You know the trickery. So, I can put, pick up some context clues if there's enough there. Right. Good, Yay! good but i also feel like if you listen to the song you'll be like is that what she was singing because it's kind of hard you know those songs that it's hard without them there's a lot yeah, yeah, of yeah. interludes it's okay but the live your life today not for tomorrow is like mm-hmm. uh, the iconic part yeah i liked rock although like ever since he did gothica i i haven't been able to like picture him what's Goth- the same that movie with halle berry oh. when she like chopped him up with an axe oh i think you i don't obviously i did not see that because i will never <laughs> let that right. into my mind but i think you told me about it yeah it was like oh you sent me a gif once of her like super bloody and right, i was like, and you were like i don't what get is that this? yeah and like don't ever send me that <laughs> shit ever again <laughs> no she like chopped because she found out he was like you know kidnapping and abusing women and she like the, the spirit of another woman that who he killed uh possessed her and she chopped him up with an axe <laughs> and she's he's like baby what did i do what did i he's do he's like screaming she's while she's chopping him up mm-hmm. it's great well don't assault women Th- there you go that's the last your business, your business. <laughs> <laughs> we're psychopaths we're psychopaths hi baby hey. hi so you were traveling i was traveling yes and i was traveling but like for personal you were traveling for business yeah you went to pittsburgh i did go to pittsburgh to I visit to my family Atlanta. yeah i'm sure you're around way more black people than me i was it was constantly i love that black people we'll talk about that later yes um but it was it was really great i mean i'm i'm still like recouping my energy yeah um and like all i did the next day after I got back was just like lay on the couch and play PS4 and listen to music um, <laughs> and sleep. Um, but we back. And we are um, back. thank you guys for listening to the positive. Yeah. Pod. Tell us what you guys.
guys thought about it, I loved doing that. Me it was too. really nice to just be like, all right, we're going to for a minute kind of not think about all the other things and like focus on all these good things that are happening. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that um, uh, I realized when I was in Atlanta is that oftentimes there are so many young black creators, uh, entrepreneurs doing things that don't get any press right for sure and i feel like you know there was like a running theme of wellness in our picks which was not even intentional Mm -hmm. but um and then it's so perfect because this month may is mental health awareness month which Mm -hmm. i think is so near and dear to both of us like we're both big proponents of therapy and like you pushed me into it and now i'm pushing everyone in my life into therapy Mm -hmm. and just spread the wealth yes and like wellness and meditation and all of that so um, I'm excited for us to have that theme through today's episode because it's just such a big thing for both of us. For sure. Yeah. Later on, we'll talk to Tristan Walker. Yes. Um, yeah, we talked a lot about mental health and wellness, so um, it definitely is on theme. Right. For Perfect. <laughs> All right. Are you ready to get into our first segment, which is Yo Business? Let's get into it. Do we have to get the sad stuff out of the yeah, way Yeah, like, let's get the sad stuff. I mean, let's get the sad stuff and then we can get into okay. the meat. Okay. Um, so there was another synagogue shooting. Yep. And I feel like for... So it's in, it was in Poway, California. One person died. Three, person, three people were injured. The shooter was a white male mm-hmm. who... Headlines are calling him a churchgoer with Christian theology. Mm. No, he's a terrorist. Yeah. So let's, let's like let's call do that first. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's why I didn't even put his name here because I don't care. Yeah. He's a te- he's terrorist number 7,000. Right. And people are dead because of his hate. The same Bible that enslaved us and the same Bible that's used to justify the control and assault of women and other disparaged communities is the same Bible that is bringing along hate. So I think it's super important for us to think about that, especially when we want to look towards Islam and other religions and think that they are radical. Um, And so, yeah, I'm just, it's so sad to keep hearing it. And like, as always, prayers for the families of the people who lost someone and the people who were injured. And then just how your peace is lost. They were praying. Mm. They were in the middle of prayer. So, yes. Prayers for other families. For sure. And then we also lost... uh, acclaimed um uh, remarkable director writer producer john singleton mm-hmm. um who passed away at 51 um this past week over uh from a stroke um which was super sad john singleton is known for boys in the hood which is largely um autobiographical um one of my favorites baby boy i don't think i knew that yeah yeah that was like his life yeah like it was based on a lot of um the main character like when his mom um he starts acting up so his mom sends, sends him, him to his, his dad, dad. Like, oh that was, okay that was his uh experience and just like um everything that went into kind of making sure he avoided you know the wrong choices yeah um and kind of trying to keep him insulated from a lot of what was happening in his um south central neighborhood but yeah it it was uh sad you know how i feel about a lot of those 90s movies that we feel are classics like i feel like set it off Mm -hmm. boys in the hood like Mm -hmm. those those are all movies that are like worthy of oscars and i feel like if they re-release those movies i think those would get 
nominations. Do at, you? At Do you think awards. they age well? I think so. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. when I watch stuff from the '90s, sometimes I'm like so cringy about what you know, like how we felt okay portraying ourselves then. Mm. Um, but I do think there was always an honesty, like baby boy has its problems, but there's like an honesty to that movie. Poetic yeah. justice has its issues, but there's an honesty. So he was de- definitely telling authentic stories. Yeah. It seems. He was like fearless and like humanizing the black experience. Like I know that a lot of times we want to not, uh, air out, you know, right. <laughs> the yeah, things yeah, that, yeah. We, that, that we deal with, but he did that, but also um, put, like, emotion behind it. And, like, these are real people, too. Right. So, yeah. Thoughts for his family. Um, that is a big loss. But are we on the, on the upswing now? On the upswing. I guess. Got so, <laughs> yes. So, it's music festival season. Mm-hmm. So, Coachella was recent. Kanye did Sunday service on Easter. Okay. And it... I couldn't even watch it because I kept thinking that Jesus himself was going to be like, cut, (laughs) stop, cut this. He had Holy Spirit merchandise. Vanity Fair wrote this article, which like was an interesting read, but it scared me that this is the turn of things. Um, So it was called how Kanye West and church merch are bringing back Sunday best. What? You know what's bringing back Sunday best? Church. Church. <laughs> and Sundays. Like, remember when Mark Zuckerberg said that uh, Facebook is turning into the new church? Mm-hmm. Like, comments like that, I'm like, you know, you know what the new church is? Church. church. And churches and, and religion has to evolve, not social media and rappers right. usurp the role of Ra- spirituality. Uh, uh, too much. <laughs> but then it's interesting, a week later, so, you know, Pharrell put on that the, Something in the Water festival at Virginia Beach. Did mm-hmm. you hear about that? Mm-mm. So Pharrell put on, a, like, a music festival, I think, last week, at the same time as Broccoli Fest, which is interesting. It just, a lot of music things are happening. But um, And then he had a pop-up church on Sunday, but it was for real church. Oh, good. There was, like, okay. gospel artists there, and it was, Pharrell was nowhere to be found because it wasn't about Pharrell. Oh, and, like, good. so it was just, like, an interesting juxtaposition to, like, Kanye being God and Pharrell making a space for people yeah. to worship by Virginia Beach. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I lo- and I love, like, showing how, you know, spirituality is so intertwined in everyday life, mm-hmm. and it can, because we, uh, we both have come from strictish you know church backgrounds right. like when we were younger where everything was separate right and so like pharrell saying you, we can come out and party but yeah. also like learn about god yeah like, and I'm god's totally everywhere down, yeah. yeah i really <laughs> like that too because yeah you're right like both of us have figured out how that fits and how we get to like bust down satiana and right. listen like and that that those don't have to be conflicting right. things but praise and worship with kanye is not is not my it idea of praise God. and worship of Kanye. <laughs> of Kanye. That's the difference. Yeah, yeah, With yeah. and of is the difference. Yeah. Um. And then what else? You had a Coachella. So I was just like gobsmacked by why? Why does anything shock you? <sighs> I don't know. I guess I should just like stop being surprised. But Taylor Swift and this hashtag Mayochella is what they're calling <laughs> it. <laughs> I... Have you seen it? I didn't watch the whole thing. I just saw her, her, the pose that she hit in the beginning and that she had a whistle. And I'm like, 
You didn't want to give a beat between homecoming coming out like, and you copying this. It hasn't even this. been a month. No. Like, girl, relax. And no one's saying that Beyonce invented the marching band, right? But she literally just did it on no. one of the biggest stages in the world. No. You didn't want to take a, a seat. And, he- and here's the thing. Like, no, she didn't invent marching bands. No. Taylor or Beyonce didn't. No. Um, but the the jacking was like, clear like homegirl came out in pink and yellow yeah beyonce wore if anybody <laughs> listens to this i'm sure right. you probably have watched yes. uh, uh homecoming by now the the scenes alternate between her and pink and her and right yellow. for the weekend like she the band comes out in pink yeah. and she's wearing a pink and yellow and outfit. she comes out and hits the same entrance pose the same entrance pose mm-hmm. i'm i was just like and the band wasn't even on beat though oh that was that was no choreography. No, and it was just like one guy, one black guy that he was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm give my." There ain't no choreography here, but like, I'm a dance. I'm a dance. Yeah. Um, I don't understand how people go up for her so hard. Like, Ugh, no. I know, I know black folks who love Taylor, <laughs> Taylor Swift. Swift. Yes. Get rid of them. I do. Get rid of them. Um, some of those you know too. Uh, get rid. I'll get rid of them too. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> Um, but yeah, she, that was a mess. But it's like, it was Kanye, right? Remember, Kanye's been warning us about Beyonce versus Taylor Swift for forever. I mean, he's in the sunken place now, but maybe he was like, maybe those were his parting words to us. Beyonce had the best video of all times. Moving on. (laughs) That was, (laughs) that was Kanye 10 years ago. That was, that was old Kanye. We're stuck with Kanye 2019 right who's so. awful what's going on i mean what's asking what's going on in politics is literally like that's a very loaded <laughs> that question. is a very loaded Let's question focus on one thing so joe biden hired get out of here joe <laughs> <laughs> you know how many times what? have i screamed what? that to you i'm so over him can we get to what he did i don't care what you he did get out of here joe <laughs> it might be good Doubt it. He hired political strategist Simone Sanders as a senior advisor. Love her. I love her too. Hate she, him. Um, I love her work. I'll say. I say. Yeah. I, I don't know her personally, but um, she. You probably have seen her on CNN, like um, you know, just clapping back on folks, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, deservedly so. I love when she when Omarosa was on, or no, Don Lemon brought up Omarosa, and she goes, "Do we have to talk about her? It's Black History Month." Mm. <laughs> Like, Don, Don. That's not today. That's not today. Like, we deserve a day. Yeah. Well, she used to, um, she used to work for, she was the press secretary for Bernie Sanders. I did interview Simone one time, like, years ago, and it was when she was, um, it was for a story I was working on about Dre McKesson, mm-hmm. who's the, um, the, was a activist, uh, for the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, if he, if she's like, I don't know if they're still friends, but if she was like an informal advisor to him and a friend, I wonder if like this is like she is like for Joe a way of hitting all the points. Like she's a young, she's a young black woman. She's like, you know, progressive. She's mm-hmm. like, she has her ties into like the activist movement and maybe like it's her being, her siding with him and saying, I'm joining his campaign will be like a play for younger people with you know, who are quick to call out Joe for his yeah. misgivings. You mean that Joe is floating on the backs of a black person? <laughs> Again? That's how I took it. Because to me, Simone Sanders, no doubt, adds a younger, more diverse 
voice to this very old, very white political artifact. Mm -hmm. And so I think that 100% it's strategy on his part to have Mm -hmm. her on board. And then I'm sure strategy on her part. She's a political strategist to get in and be able to to be a part of these. If they're going to be very white and very old, then let me put my voice in. So I do think that they're working for towards the same possibly the same goal with each other. Mm-hmm. But I'm also just so t- I'm tired of Joe and what he has done with black women specifically mm-hmm. and like this Anita Hill BS apology that you gave and then you go on the view and say I'm sorry she felt that way. I'm sorry you did that. Yeah. And you know, so I'm just I don't see it for him. I do see it for Simone though and so for her to back Bernie and then this like I know she's not do she's not silly. Yeah, that's what I was I was gonna say. She's she doesn't uh strike me as someone who will like who's eager to give back rides. You right. know, like she no. she definitely has something in mind here for mm-hmm. her future too. Yeah. Um so I guess we'll you know, we'll just have to trust that she's making yeah. the right moves. But I want Joe out. Yeah. But but I also want she's Trump polling- out. Joe is so. polling ahead of everybody already. And this is my thing. My friends and I were talking about this last night. Our Hashtag is get Trump out 2020. And so whoever that is, we are on board. But at this point in the race, Joe is not it for me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I feel you. But neither is Corey or literally anyone else. Or who? What are you about to say? Or your girl, (laughs) Kamala. But did you see Kamala like questioning uh attorney bar i didn't hear the General whole bar. thing but i i started the drag yeah yeah i he, saw the beginning of the drag yeah i it, it but was, that's also her job right it was like glorious to watch yes agreed that is her job and um it made me like her a little bit more but also who will she be applying those hard line strategies to if right. she's elected right yeah and what do you think about elizabeth warren because i feel like she's she's bringing up so many things that just keep keep making me be like but how liz like she's like free college for everybody <laughs> and it's like sounds great but how <laughs> like yeah all of her platforms seem to be the like best case scenario she's like racism is done and reparations for everyone and free it's like okay liz i mean no shame but i remember feeling that way when barack was running oh yeah he ran on really like well he it was more like he just had no details for like how it would drive me crazy (laughs) i'm like but how barack i mean of course we he ended up becoming president we all loved him but I kind of I remember watching him and Hillary in the debates and just kind of feeling sorry for Hillary because she would be like, "I'm going to do a A B C D. Here's my plan," right. and he would just be like, "Yeah, yeah, free up, yeah, that's true." <laughs> and everybody just be cheering. right because we're idiots, and I feel like the crowd's going to be like, "We're going with that." Yeah. <laughs> that's really true. Um, okay, so but I do maybe I'll like, wait and see. Yeah, Liz uh, Elizabeth Warren, she's being kind of overlooked. I feel. Um, I think maybe if she doesn't like pull to the front, she'll at least be like somebody's VP candidate. Yeah. We'll see. Okay. And then just like a quick Facebook update. Uh, like, we haven't <laughs> talked about Facebook in a minute. Yeah. I've been holding back. Good for I've you. I've been seeing stuff in I the know. headlines. I've been like, oh, Shane. Let it spill. Yeah. Let it spill. Yeah. So, um, Facebook banned uh, Louis Farrakhan. 
Right. Uh, the leader of the Nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alex Jones of InfoWars. Um, still hasn't banned Trump. Right. Or yeah. all of the other white nationalists and Nazis and supremacists. Well, they are, in fact, like, oh, um, here I am taking up. For yeah, what is up? But, <laughs> but, um, but they have been doing more to ban white nationalists and white supremacists. Um, yeah. But doesn't Farrakhan feel... I don't know, because they, they said that they banned him for anti-Semitic and homophobic speech. Yeah. Which would be like half the internet if they really took out everybody that was homophobic. Right? Like, it. J- just say you're banning people who do those things who have a big following. Right. Or who have a lot of power who in their voice, slain. right? Say that. Because at this point, if you're saying because of homophobia, a lot of people would be gone. Yeah. I think... I I, I w- would like to give them credit and say they look at people's uh, capacity to hold sway, you know? Like, can you influence someone to, you know, uh, make, uh, take dangerous actions, mm-hmm. right? Or harmful actions. Um, and he is definitely someone with the large following. And I did, like, I, I when I saw the news alert, like, I... Um, I did kind of question, like, how is Farrakhan mm-hmm. lumped even, in with right, even close to Alex Jones? But right. then I I read the story and I I did see like some of the <laughs> some of the remarks that um that he's made about gay people and um and you know the the quote unquote Jewish media and um all these things and when we talk about like synagogues, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and and um and how ideas about jewish people will get perpetuated i definitely think some of his comments have fallen into that Mm -hmm. um so you know i i don't after looking a little bit closer i don't see an issue with it but i don't i think there's a there's this possible for us to say alex jones is worse but all of it is bad yeah okay yeah we can we can what what's the what's the phrase walk and chew gum (laughs) yeah walk and chew gum at the same time Um, and then there's been some other Facebook news. So they're getting into cryptocurrency. It was revealed recently. <laughs> Zuckerberg's just never gonna stop. I just don't. I don't understand. Like, why not? They, and then part of it is um, they want to pay people to look at ads as part of pay this. us with Bitcoin. Yeah, like like it'll be like you'll get like if you watch an ad, you'll get like a fraction of a cryptocurrency. Uh, you know, amount and it'll just keep adding up. Um, that's part of the plan, but also they want to, you know, quote unquote, disrupt credit cards. Um, and so one issue that a lot of merchants, which is like stores and retailers, have with credit cards now is the transaction fees, right? Like you've gone to the deli and they'd be like, "We don't, we don't take cards unless it's like over five dollars," right. <laughs> which I think it might be illegal. In New York. It is illegal. Um, and sometimes I say that. Right. But it's because they don't want to pay the transaction right. fee. So Facebook is presenting this as, hey, if you, you know, hey, merchant, if you get on our cryptocurrency platform, you know, you can sell to people without having to pay any transaction fees. My issue with that is... Is cryptocurrency real money, though? It's not... Well, they want to tie it to real money. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's it's, what I'm like. How can they pay their yeah, kids' tuition It'll be something called stable coin. So, like, unlike what we think of cryptocurrency, it will 
be tied directly to like actual dollars, right? Okay. Um, but yeah, my issue with it is that we're already, you know, trying to have cashless restaurants and all these things, and it's like here we are yet another way. Like I, I barely understand cryptocurrency. Right, I was gonna just, say I'm about to be out for if real. You, if I have to pay that, right? Way. And so like I, I just worry about like. Uh, and you know when new a lot of times when new technologies are introduced it's not like a okay let's let's gradually get to this it's like let's go all in so my concern is that this will soon like one day become the norm and then we already have people without debit and credit and bank accounts so now here's another thing that everybody's going to be on right. that people get shut out of right. because they don't have phones or you know they don't have or they don't know what cryptocurrency to, is don't know what cryptocurrency is or have access to internet <laughs> just just all these things that i just wonder like why do we need yet another barrier to uh money facebook wrapped moving on yeah <laughs> all right and then for our last topic, I wanted us to do, since this is our mental health awareness month focused episode, mm-hmm. I want us to just kind of do like a little mental health roundup of news that's been happening. Um, I also wanted to give just like a quick anonymous shout out to my therapist, um, who I've told about the podcast. I don't know. I don't think she listens, Hi, but therapist. yeah, but um, I just feel like I had a really great session with her this week and she's really been pushing me to... Uh, recognize the first time I've felt things, right? So my, I'm going to EMDR, which we've talked about, um, which is kind of a, a means of therapy that really helps your your brain cross this line barrier that often happens post-trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, when I talk about feeling anxious or frustrated or rejected, she really pushes me to think of the first time I felt that and, like, let's work on that, right? Mm. Like, like I think that when my relationship ends, it, like, reminds me of when my when my dad left, but maybe it's before that or after that. Um, That's good. So shout out to her, because I'm just, like, really appreciative of the work we've been doing. And I am very happy that you're doing it. Yeah. Um, so this week... Burger King also did a mental... <laughs> you know, Home of the Whopper. I didn't know we were going to like start our mental health topic <laughs> with Burger King. With Burger King, <laughs> I know. Well, they got on the mental health awareness train and released these things called um, Real Meals. Mm. And it was like... It was supposed to... Okay. Multiple streams, I guess, of consciousness. <laughs> It was supposed to be kind of like the anti-happy meal because their slogan was like, it's okay to not be happy, which on the train of mental health, I think is an important thing to say. But but what happened with this is that people started saying, is this an insensitive gimmick or are you really doing the work as a corporation to destigmatize mental health issues? Yeah, I just uh, everything is not like a trending topic to glom onto. You know, like, right. it's mental health. Right. Like, make my charbroil p- patty. But the thing <laughs> is, they could have... Corporate social responsibility is huge, and it's something that is very important to me and the companies that I work for. Mm-hmm. But... Internally. Inter- 
internally but also if you actually cared what would have happened is some money would have gone towards something Mm. or some advocacy would have come from something it wouldn't have just been this is what makes it a gimmick is that there's no ethical behavior connected to it and um cnbc yeah right cnbc posted an article and they talked to some marketing experts who were saying that a company seeking to discuss a topic like mental health in their marketing needs to show consumers that it's a true priority or else it seems shallow and gimmicky. Right. And so I think they, like many companies, really miss the mark yeah. to say, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. We want to give 80% of the proceeds from these real meals yeah. to mental health work for people who can't afford insurance. You know, there's right. there's a lot of ways you could have done it and still been gimmicky. Right. But done a little something. It's like when, when right. McDonald's switched the M to the W for like Women's History Month. It's like, <laughs> okay, thanks, right? Um, yeah, or I, I, you know, I'm, I think Burger King is pretty socially active, like on Twitter, or Facebook. What if they did like a, you know, a a Q and A or call out, you know, to people who love Burger King, you know, and like ask them about their mental health, right? Or like actually, you know, like started a conversation, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. no, but none of that happened. We're gonna make money off mental health awareness, yep. yeah. So. That yep. doesn't sound very smart. To they me. did that. Um, speaking of mental health, <laughs> there's another um, uh, survey that I thought was really interesting. Um, it was like uh, mental health by by state. I think who's this? This is um, uh, a life insurance agency called Term Life to Go. They they studied the most common mental health conditions. Um, uh, based on Google Trends. And I won't go through all of them, but I just thought it was funny that <laughs> the most, um, the, the, the largest source of, uh, of, of stress, um, and mental health issues in, um, New York for, uh, for folks living there is financial stress. <laughs> Duh. It was like, yeah. Um, and I read another story that said, um, that talked about how, uh, Older renters at this point in New York City outnumber millennial renters. So there are people wow. like 60 and still over renting. still renting. And they also outnumber homeowners in their same, in their age range. So people older, people over 60 who are renting in New York are higher than people over 60 who, who are own. because who can own? I gotta get uh, out. Unless, unless you already owned before things got nuts. I gotta get out. And do what? I don't know, but... Okay. Don't you make that kind of damn announcement on this <laughs> podcast. I, I mean, trash this room. I'm just saying I, I went to Atlanta recently and the cost of living is nice there. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> you, now you're trying to get a rise out of I'm not I'm not I'm um, just I'm just talking but that seems like a good segue <laughs> mental health Atlanta our guest this week who is none other than Tristan Walker mm-hmm. the founder and CEO of Walker and Company Brand right which you know from Bevel and Form um so I wasn't there but you did an awesome job and this interview if you ever wanted to know the back, like what happens when a CEO goes home? Mm-hmm. That's what this is. Because yeah. you were literally in his house. He went there. He revealed a lot to us uh, on your business. So um, 
stay tuned. Yes, come on back. Okay, so we are at the home of Tristan and Amoy Walker. Tristan is the founder and CEO of Walker and Company Brands, which you probably know from Bevel, the shaving system that helps get rid of razor bumps and irritated skin for men of color. They have skincare and beard products too, JJ. And, can I get to it? Jeez. Uh, Walker and Company also launched um, a hair care brand for women called Form. And uh, last fall, he sold his company to Procter & Gamble. So uh, thanks for having me at your home. And it's home of Amoy. Yeah, trust <laughs> well, Facts. To be fair, I was looking at both of you when I said your home. Facts. Whatever. Y'all acting up already. Um, so this is a really uh, momentous occasion. So uh, a lot of entrepreneurs know of you, Tristan. Um, and, uh, have been inspired by you and look up to what you've done with Walker and Company. Um, especially entrepreneurs who have, uh, had their eye on Silicon Valley. Uh, and so to watch your transition into a full health and beauty, uh, focused, uh, company and set of brands, I think has been, um, kind of a, a, a lesson for a lot of folks. So I'm hoping that you'll, have some gems to drop for us. <laughs> um, and Amoy, I'm so excited to have you. <laughs> so y'all, I wrote a feature about um, Tristan uh, and his journey in Silicon Valley. Uh, was that 2014? 2014. Um, and it was about uh, him launching Walker and Company and his journey um, from Foursquare to Twitter uh, then to Andreessen Horowitz, which, which is a very well-known venture capital uh, firm uh, where he was an entrepreneur in residence and then ultimately launching his own company. And Amoy was a very uh, <laughs> memorable voice in that story because um, she uh, talked about some of the practicalities of, you know, what it takes to um, launch and run a company, especially for black entrepreneurs where, um, you know, we often don't have as much of an opportunity to take risks um, and risks in business mean uh, something very different from um, <laughs> for us uh, than it does to a lot of other folks. Um, so, uh, Amoy, uh, you've been a very uh, integral part of uh, Tristan building um Building Walker and Company, and, and, I, <laughs> and, and I've witnessed it myself. You know, like you've been not just, um, I guess, what some would consider like the, a traditional, you know, play a traditional role as the wife, but you know, I've seen you at the company headquarters. I've seen you like interacting with staff. You know, I've seen you. You know, you've actually nudged me on things that Tristan might be dealing with or going through um, as as probably a journalist who's covering him the most at this point. Um, so what are some, what are some things that you think um, entrepreneurs should keep in mind and be aware of, especially entrepreneurs of color as they uh, start to take their first steps into building a brand or building a company? I think what people don't realize is that entrepreneurship is, an isolating and lonely experience. 
Who do you share your first idea with? Who do you share that you're having a rough day with? Who can you trust? How do I work through this problem? And I think that having people in your corner who you can go to and get honest feedback Mm -hmm. is essential when you want to build a company. Because that experience that I've observed for Tristan is that there are days when he only had me to talk to. I remember we used to get up about 5.30 every morning and go to the gym. And Tristan was an EIR. And we'll spend most of our walk brainstorming business ideas. He'd be like, what do you think about this? Go. And then we'll just talk it through. And that practice of just developing that communication and that skill to give feedback and to give honest feedback, I think, is what has made his journey so much easier. Mm-hmm. She's pretty honest. <laughs> yeah, she, I can attest to that. Um, and, you know, Tristan, talk to me a bit about um, work-life balance. Like, how how important is that um, in, in, in launching uh, and, and maintaining and building and, and selling a company? Um, and, you know, how has it, how has what you've built here um, uh, with Amoy and Avery and soon August <laughs> in a few weeks, there'll be a new edition. Um, we're actually sitting in August's room right now, which is really cool. Turn up. Um, t- tell me about that journey and like, and how maintaining like work life family balance has helped you. Yeah. So I've gotten, as I've gotten older, um, you know, I tell my team this, I tell everybody this, we've talked about this, um, like definition around my values is pretty important. Um, and one of them is wellness. And I like to tell people, if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not taking care of the business. Right. But even, um, you know, when I think about my family, you gotta be very intentional about your time and prioritize your time from day one. When I started the company, I did a couple things. First, I told the team that I was going to be leaving at six 30 every day to go back home. I wanted to feed my son. I wanted to put him to bed. I wanted to interact with him, et cetera. That has not changed. Um, I was the first person to go on paternity leave or maternity leave at my company. Um, I did that six months after we started the company. Um, and I was very intentional about that. Right. Um, what ha- what, so what, what happened when you went on uh, paternity leave? What, what, what did the organization look like? Business went on. We launched. Mm-hmm. Well, who right. stepped up like to take over? Everybody. Um, you know, I did a good job too of telling them I wasn't going to be reached. Um, and as, um, you know, the new baby's coming, uh, I'm already setting that up. Right. Um, you know, I have learned to trust, uh, my team, um, because business goes on. Right. Um, I also have to realize that, you know, my name's on the company, but so is hers, So is his. And so is the next one. Right. Um, so it's important, um, that, you know, everything that happens at the company is also reflected back at home, right? And that's like through the values that we have. You know, we are very um, uh, adamant about uh, Black folks uh, taking care of themselves, both physically and mentally on the podcast. And, um, you know, I, I'm i a firm proponent of mental health and therapy as well. Like I started therapy uh, years ago. I've had, I've had like several different ones but um my most recent one i he's also a black gay man and i love him Mm -hmm. um but (laughs) but you also revealed to me something i didn't know 
recently, which is that last year you started therapy. That's right. Um, so I'm curious about like what led you to that, mm-hmm. like what was going on at the time. And then after that, Amoy, I'm wondering like if you could talk about like, you know, what you saw and like, did you kind of push him into that decision? Totally. <laughs> so, um, therapy, you know, after family and all that is, is frankly the best thing that happened to me. Frankly, like I, um, it has had such a profound impact on the way I just see the world and operate within it. Um, for anyone who knows me, I think more than I speak. Um, and there is a gift in that and a curse in that, uh, because I internalize way too much. Right. Um, and in times of extreme, Doubt, anxiety, stress. Um, I believed that I was a superhero and I'm not right. Um, last year was a pretty intense time. I remember, um, you know, when we moved from Palo Alto to Atlanta, um, we had our last session or one of our final sessions. Um, and you know, despite me crying because I, you know, had a great therapist and all that, um, you know, she reminded me of all the things that were that hadn't happened before we met, right? Um, when we met until the time that I'd left, a number of things happened, right? We decided we were going to move to Atlanta. We were in the process of selling the company. We found out that we were going to have a, another child, right? Um, at the time at the company, we were not able to raise money. Hmm. Um, we had to let go of great folks uh, within the organization. Like These five things were just a very small bit of the story. Um, and at the time I felt like I was doing it alone. Right. Um, and certainly I had my wife at home and she was helping me kind of think through some things. Um, but I think more than I speak. Right. Um, and I started to look not only changes in behavior, body changes, right. Um, it got to a point when, um, you know, I had to make some changes. Um, what, what does that mean? So you get new allergies to things, panic attacks, right? Um, you know, bodily changes, right? Um, cold sweats. Like it's entrepreneurship is no joke, right? Um, but also, you know, one of the one thing happened to me that um, or one thing that I learned, which was really interesting, there's some interesting research going on in Stanford right now that talks about how, you know, trauma actually gets passed down generation to generation really, to DNA, right? Yeah. Uh, and at that point, I, I realized a couple of the things. Number one, um, you know, that I was a victim of trauma myself. Hmm. Um, you know, my mom was too, my brother, et cetera. Um, and it made me start to think about, like, not only forgiveness, but how to um, interact uh, with not only family members, but also friends of mine or whomever who's had to deal with that, right? And it's... Um, you know, this practice of mindfulness and this idea of shared suffering and self-compassion. Like these are things I've had to learn Mm. over the past six to nine months that I hadn't before. Entrepreneurship looks amazing from the outside, but at home and in the workplace, there are lots of challenges that you have to work through. Tristan is a single founder and he has to tackle most of this on his own while being a husband and a father. And for the most part, we live our family values that Tristan and I are going to try to get to 50-50 as much as we can. Um, Most of the times he cannot get to 50-50, but he is always there. And just making sure that his family is okay, making sure his business is okay, 
I think that took a toll on him and he was getting hives. He had, I think, three to four sinus infections. And so physically, we could not say, oh, nothing's going on. We had to take a real look. Um, I remember the breaking point because I'd, I had been bringing it up for weeks, like maybe it's time. I'd been in therapy for about eight years at that point. Um, just unpacking all of that generational trauma, understanding that this, I could pass this on to Avery. What am I going to do to support Avery? What are the tools am I going to give him? And I was telling Tristan, maybe it's your time now, um, to enter therapy because we don't want to pass on some of these values to Avery. And the fact that we just tough it out or we pray about it or we fast about it, we have to actually take some real action. And one night, Tristan got into a habit of eating desserts. (laughs) That sounds familiar. (laughs) Every night we had Postmates or DoorDash coming by, dropping off his little ice cream or cookies. And that night he had forgotten that he'd placed an order. And we're sitting on the sofa watching TV as we usually do. And... He'd had a long day and he had forgotten that he'd ordered his dessert and the doorbell rings and Tristan screams. And I'm sitting there like, why? It's 9 p.m. And he'd forgotten about the order. He's like, who's disrupting my life now? And he literally had a moment that he like physically broke down. Hmm. Like, that is how intense the journey has been. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you've covered Tristan and you tell wonderful stories of how he raises capital, how he has these amazing partnerships. But on the back end of that, he is human. And, um, and that night I was like, we, here it is. Hmm. There's, there was no controlling that burst of emotion that came from being shocked. It was like that last shock made him just fall apart. And that next day, he sent me a list of therapists. He wrote out a script, like I told him, and he was on the phone calling around. Uh-huh. And he found a match. Well, look, I I got sick, <sighs> literally. Mm-hmm. And um, the odd part about it is... Some of the things that I mentioned as reasons why I went into it were good reasons or good things to celebrate. I was selling my company. Mm-hmm. I was going to have a child. <laughs> I was moving to Atlanta, right? But like these are big moments and decisions um, in the context of everything else going on. So that, that tripped me up, right? The fact that, you know, there should be reason to celebrate. And why am I not celebrating? Mm. Um, and the fact that I felt that way didn't sit well with me. Um, and you know, I started by saying kind of all the things that my therapist said had it started. But when it ended, I felt I was a much stronger CEO. I was a much stronger husband. I was a much stronger father and son and brother. Right. Um, having gone through it, I, I wouldn't. Um, have changed anything. And I realized at that point, you know, there's therapy and then there's my own like personal faith. Right. Um, you know, we went through a season that season was long. It was arduous, but seasons end, you know? Um, and you know, you get into your season of bounty. Um, and you know that that doesn't last forever either. 
Um, so this, Come on, take us to church now. No, 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 no. <laughs> So this idea of like, you know, this reconciliation of, um, you know, the ebbs and flows of life and being mindful about that and the fact that we're all sharing in the suffering, but also you need to find room for self-compassion. Changed my life. Changed my life. Yeah. So, um, so again, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of our listeners who might be, you know, <laughs> listening to this and, and like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling some of this. And I also, you know, have aspirations to, you know, uh, raise a million dollars or Don't sell a it. bunch. Of- <laughs> Please do it. <laughs> or, or, or like, or, you know, launch a product that really catches on and, and develop like a really, um, a devoted, uh, customer base. Um, but I, I also know some of these things. What, like, what are some of the steps that you think they should take right now as far as, um, being able to, uh, be, you know, present for the business, but also be serious about, therapy and mental health. Yeah. So I've been a CEO for six years. My first time doing it. I've been blessed and fortunate to have a whole bunch of folks like you write about me, talk about us um, and, you know, have a bit of a kind of profile. So I get a lot of folks who come and want to get advice and all that stuff. And the thing that like is really interesting. I have a hundred percent of those folks who come to me who want to start a business always ask, you know, what do I need to do to start a business? I've never had one person come to me and say, like, how to be a CEO. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. those are two very different things. Like being a founder and a CEO are very so what's, different what's things. Lay it out for us. Being a founder, you don't necessarily have to hire people. You don't have to fire people. You don't have to lay them off. You don't necessarily always have to raise money either. Um, you don't have to do one-on-ones with people. You don't have to... You know, when folks come to you to talk about their problems at home, right, you have to empathize with it. You have to learn about that. Right. Um, this is what a CEO is. The one thing I always appreciated about Ben Horowitz is the fact that he talked about how being a CEO sucks. Right. Being a CEO does suck, but it's the most rewarding thing I've ever had to go through. And I wouldn't do anything else. You know, that frame of mind made this a hell of a lot easier for me. Mm-hmm. All that stuff about therapy. Imagine if I didn't have that frame of mind going into this. Mm-hmm. Man, like it would be a challenge. So the first thing I tell these entrepreneurs, prepare yourself for what you're getting into um, because it won't be flowers, even if you think it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to be rewarding. It'll make you a better person on the other side. Right. Yeah. So number one, be realistic. Right. And if you can't be realistic, ask and ask the right questions, right? Um, because being a founder is not the same as being a CEO. Um, oh, go ahead. I don't think people prepare for the emotional work of being a CEO. You're constantly interacting with a variety of people in many different capacities who have their own unique experiences. And when you have to process that and make decisions for your company and to maintain the values of your company and dealing with that, it is a hard balance. And dealing with your emotions before you get to the workplace, I think is is really important. We've been talking a lot about therapy, but I also want to say therapy is expensive. Most health insurance providers do not cover it. Um, so for us as a community of, of first generation, you know, having access to wealth, we have to 
watch our, our, our money. And I understand that is expensive, but you have to really try hard to think of it as a basic need um, and put it away like how you put cash away for, you know, groceries or for your, your day-to-day necessities because it's truly important. I didn't come from a wealthy family. You know, I grew up in Mississippi. My 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 mom came from Mississippi. My dad grew up in, you know, uh, poor in Alabama. Um, but they, they built a nice, a nice life for themselves, but there was just simply things that they could not pass down to me, as is the case for a lot of black millennials. And we talk about this a lot on the podcast. So there are a lot of things like in our 30s that we're just having to deal with and grapple with and like, how do I do this? What does this mean? How do I build this? How do, you know, how do I apply for this? And, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Things that are just like second nature for, you know, frankly, white folks, a lot of white folks. Mm-hmm. Um, cause not all. Uh, but, um, so <clears throat> I'm, I'm curious, like, you know, knowing that you have, um, Avery, who's, uh, you know, just, so full of personality, he's gonna he's gonna do something great one day, uh, I imagine. Um, and then you have a, um, a a son on the way. Like, what are some what are some things that you hope to pass down to them that uh, that you know maybe your parents didn't pass down to you in terms of financial? Literacy? Oh man, uh, this is okay. First, Avery will and should have the luxury of choice in doing what he wants to do that makes him feel like he's the best in the world at it. I didn't have a choice. Um, I felt I had to be a lawyer, finance, doctor. I'll never forget my mom. (laughs) I have very few memories of like my childhood, but I remember one thing. Or one of a few things. Um, there's a gentleman who came to my house. My mom called me out of my room. I think I was probably seven, eight years old. She looked at the gentleman and said, this is Tristan. He wants to be a doctor when he grows up. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> no, see, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that moment. It's weird because like, I don't what? remember, I don't remember too much about like my childhood, yeah. but I remember that, you know? Um, Avery should do what he wants. Um, and I'm fortunate and blessed to, at least right now, believe that I can set him on that track. Um, second, um, the one thing that I've been very serious about my entire life is not only like saving, but being very disciplined about um, my finances. Um, you know, at least I got a little bit of that from my mother um, in her paranoia, right, about um, not having and I'm still to this day fairly paranoid about it. It actually even translates into my business. Like I am very, you know, I, you know, Tyler Perry gave me some great advice. And I had to, I had to interview him a couple of times. And it's actually advice he got from Oprah. Um, you had to interview Tyler Perry. I had to interview him in a couple, couple cities. Um, after I left Foursquare, I know you got something to say. Anyway. <laughs> and he, uh, I sound like my, uh, my co-host Shana who's not here, like sing song <laughs> and everything. I mean, the, the thing that's interesting about Tyler Perry, I mean, like he, he was homeless for a while. He's one of the highest paid guys in Hollywood and he's doing his thing. And he said he got some advice from Oprah. It was to sign your own checks. It's interesting advice, right? Like, you know, your power bill, right? Know where the money's going. Mm-hmm. Um, at Walker and Company, like, you know, it's everything's digital now, <laughs> but 
but I look at every single scent that goes through. And it's important that Avery, especially growing up in a way that's different from the way I did, that he is responsible about reconciliation in that way. And I try to do that within the company. So, or and within the family. So he should be able to have a choice and freedom to do what's going to make him passionate um, in life. And he feels he can be the best in the world at it. Um, frugality to the extent that I can. And look, I'm certainly recognizing the fact that he's not growing up in the same way that I can, I'm but I have, thumbs up, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's, um, I think we, the two of us are pretty steep in those values. And we came from a place that was different from what he's coming from. So we're trying our best and we'll try our best right, mm. uh, to do so. Um, but choice enables a lot, right? Um, and choice also provides him room to be thoughtful about what we're saying to him. So we haven't spoken about what I do. Um, I actually, I'm a progressive educator. I taught at a small all-girls school in Palo Alto for She's 11 very years. Good at it. <laughs> yes, she is. And a big part of what I do is teach students about the human experience. And a lot of what I teach is fact and evidence-based. And I read an article I think a year or two ago that black boys who come from wealth aren't as wealthy as their parents. And my hope is that Avery's not going to wait until when we die to benefit or have wealth. I want to make sure Avery can have wealth while we're alive. He shouldn't have to wait on, you know, that payout from life insurance. And so when Tristan talks about living that frugal life, it is for real. Like I am 30 something weeks pregnant and it was easy to get Avery out of the house to go to Starbucks every morning. He'd be like, do you want to go to Starbucks this morning? He was like, yeah. <laughs> Tristan hit me at the end of like the first month and was like, this month you spent this much on Starbucks. You have to cut it back. <laughs> and I was like, dude, it's helping me to get out of the house. But it's that idea that even though, you know, a two to three dollar drink a day, it adds up. And over a month, it gets to be something that's that's really big. And so Tristan was just like drawing my attention to that. And I was like, I can't believe this man is doing this. But if we don't mind our money, then we're not going to have those values for Avery. And I had to be like, Avery, we've had too much Starbucks this week. So you have to make a decision. Are we having Starbucks or is mom going to make you an acai bowl at home? So, <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So those That's are so millennial. Oh <laughs> he loves acai bowls. He has to really get on me and be like, Amoy, you need to update the budget. You have to stick to the budget. That's why we have budgets. And him just enforcing that always and putting that as a value in our marriage, I really had to to change my behavior and to be more mindful of that. And even still today, he's like, you have not logged into the Mint account. (laughs) (laughs) Tristan's journey is slightly different than mine in that I... My mom is a single mom. She worked in the shadow economy for 11 years in America. She was undocumented. And I felt an obligation to always give back. And I think a lot of first-generation college graduates feel that pressure. So here we are trying to build our lives, but we also have to carve out giving back to our family. Because for poor people, wealth moves down. And that pressure of, oh, 
so-and-so needs to borrow $100 to pay the light bill this month, or they can't make the mortgage, that responsibility that all these people invested in your future, they bought you that bed in a bag to go to college. (laughs) (laughs) They they gave you that whatever $25 to take the train back, whatever it was, they believed in you and they made your dream possible. And so I do not want to discount that. I don't like surprises. I don't like surprise birthday parties. I don't like surprise clowns coming out of boxes. I sure as hell don't like money surprises, right? And to to tie it back to like my business and family stuff, what doesn't get measured doesn't get done, you know? Um, And it's important that you're intentional about measuring everything. You got to have goals. You got to have something to try to attain. Without it, what are you trying to attain? That's good. And then finally, you know, there are all kinds of resources now, like there are a billion podcasts, there are a billion shows, there are a billion books. Tristan, I know you're reading a lot right now. Um, What are, uh, well, uh, since we don't have a lot of time and we got to get back to Avery, uh, (laughs) what is like one app, website, um, podcast that you... uh, both are, you know, either of you are, are listening to, um, or each of you, I want to hear suggestions from both of you, um, that, that we should be like tapping into, like, you know, something that is feeding a part of your brain that, you know, a lot of people might not know about right now. Your business. <laughs> Facts. I think you guys are the only folks asking these questions, right? I think there are some other practical things. I mean, we talked about mint. Right. I think it's a wonderful thing, whether it's meant or things like it, get at least one and run with it. Um, when we first met, I think we first read that book, Millionaire Next Door. Remember that? Yes, we did. Um, we read that book. And like, I mean, I haven't read it since, but um, it was it was a helpful foundation um, for folks that didn't really understand what that stuff meant. Right. Um, this idea of frugality and kind of being intentional about your finances and wealth. I think that was really, really great. Well, thank you both so much for agreeing to do this of highly, course, highly Jake. educational podcast <laughs> of course. Um, interview. And, you know, it's, it's, um, I think it's going to help a lot of folks to hear, you know, uh, you two talk about these issues. So thank you. Thank you, JJ. Thank you, JJ. <laughs> All right. Bye. That's just going to go viral. So I think Tristan just like spoke life over us like that little last intro i mean that last outro clip i was just like yeah thank you yeah i i definitely appreciate him and amoy um trusting us to like be all up in their house (laughs) Uh, and amoy is a ceo fire crack i love i love her i want to meet her I think you that yeah. would be a very interesting. I was, I could just tell like she just was like oh, but then don't forget uh-huh. and you know that is that's my energy. Um, all right, so now we're gonna go into our last segment, which is our LLC that stands for Learn, Loved, or Canceled, where we just wrap up our week and say something we've learned, loved, or canceled. Uh, so you want me to go first, or you got some? I got plenty, so you can go first. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I'm gonna do my loved. No, I'm going to do my canceled first so we can end on a high note. Okay. So this week, Virgil Abloh, oh. um, who we've talked about other times on here, he is like creative director for Off-White and a bunch of other things. He was like a Kanye friend. So that lets you know probably the kind of black man that he is. 
um, posted a video this week of his staff party in Milan for Off White. Off White should be called All White <laughs> because there was not a brown person there. The interesting thing is that after he posted it, a lot of black design, well, not a lot, I'll say like two or three, have been coming to his rescue saying, he invited me to the party, I couldn't go. He invited me, I had a fashion show, I had this, that's the reason that you didn't see any black people. It was like literally two people. But I just think it's really interesting um, because Off-White was also in the news this week because they are trying to sue an independent designer for copying something that they feel like is similar. Mm, that sounds the irony. <laughs> it's just like, who is this man? Yeah. And, you know, I, I've worked in fashion for six going on seven years. And when I first moved to New York, I wanted to be such a fashion girl. Like, these are the companies I wanted to work for. These are the circles I wanted to run in. And I've moved so far away from that that, like, I've I barely even know when fashion week is now. Cause mm. I think I've just learned that like fashion needs to much like everything else. Fashion needs to be what I make it. And I cannot pay attention to these brands who could literally care less about me. Mm. Like you don't even want to put one black person in to get a black dollar. Right. Like it just, to me, it th- this reminded me why I moved into the segment of fashion that I'm in, and then why when I think about my next steps, fashion might not even be a part of it. Yeah. Because this is the industry of fashion, and this is the business of fashion that I want zero parts of. He's the founder of Off-White. Okay. But then he's Separately. director of menswear for Louis Got Vuitton. Yes. Um, and so that's the thing. You're the founder. You could do whatever you want with this company. Mm. That's the... Gr- that, to me... That's the biggest gag. It because it's one thing when you work for a company and you have to answer to them, yeah. but you found it off white and you didn't. You wanted it to be all white. Canceled. Uh, Not that I was ever buying off white. Yeah. Not that <laughs> my money. You know, that was never in my budget. Yeah. But um, I just thought that was really gross. So boo on that. Um, and then my love this week is, and you actually got a taste of this today. Um, is this app called Donate NYC? So today, uh, when JJ- <laughs> yeah, yeah. she had me dragging bags of clothes down the stairs. Yeah, y'all, so I had four. Star. I had four bags of clothes and shoes to donate. Like I'm a thrifter. I shop a lot. I shop a lot of sample sales, and so I just like every season like to purge a wardrobe to like make room for a new one. And um, I found a charity through Donate NYC called St. Mary's, who has um, like a domestic violence a domestic abuse shelter for women and they're always looking for clothes and shoes for women and they'll come pick it up. It's just an awesome resource to be able to give to companies that aren't Salvation Army and Goodwill. Not that they're not also doing good things, but these little charities are often really forgotten and mm-hmm. they're the ones that really need the clothes to put on people's backs immediately. Um, and so, yeah, like go, like go to the app store and get Donate NYC. You can put in your zip code and they'll tell you who will pick up and who's in need of what so i love that me too i want to use it because i have stuff i need to yeah and like we can always help in like the smallest of ways so Mm -hmm. all right what you llc in so i have a love and a canceled so you mentioned earlier that i went to atlanta um obviously where i interviewed tristan but also um uh where i'm working on a story um it's coming out in a couple months and it was just beautiful 
you see just a lot of like cross networking and I know about this I'm gonna put you on I know about this I'm gonna put you on mm-hmm. uh, you should talk to this person you should talk to that person um it was just beautiful to see um and New York uh, New York <laughs> and Atlanta is um by no means all black but it is I think the demographics are like it's 52 percent black um or something around there um and it's really interesting to see how um as a lot of companies and money uh is pouring into the city um there's still like this determination uh among black entrepreneurs to kind of maintain what they've built and just real quick my canceled is uh the insurance system here in the united states garbage. like garbage it is ridiculous so i had um a situation the other day where um Apparently, I was getting re- so I was getting ready to pay my premium, and I was told that the New York uh, State Health Exchange had canceled my tax credit uh, for my premium, which means that um, my rate has effectively doubled uh, for the month of May. And they're like, "Well, we should we sent you an email for this like random document that apparently was was good enough in January when I submitted it mm-hmm. and was approved for um for uh discounted insurance, but it is now invalid and I have to redo the whole process over again." And so that you would think that even when I do the process that I would still get my lower rate for May. No, mm-hmm. it doesn't. It wouldn't start till June. So even if even after the process and I redo everything and upload the proper documents that I didn't know was incorrect, um, I still have to pay that doubled premium for May. And I just was thinking. I mean, we were talking about this earlier, but I'm, I just happen to be like tech savvy enough to like you know get can the up, email to, scan, and, to get the email, yeah. but also let's like scan something real quick and upload right. it or whatever. I'm like, what if I was like on my deathbed or like what if like I was an you older person who wasn't like knowledge. digitally savvy. Yeah. I mean, to just cancel somebody's uh, like tax credit for insurance is just like trash to me with yeah. no notification. Yeah. And it just made me think about the things that we have to deal with here and, and also how our insurance, um, uh, system, the affordable healthcare act is still under assault, you know? Um, so if it's this hard for me now, (laughs) what is it going to be like once Trump is done with it? Right. And that's like your physical care. And then mental health is right on top of that. Often don't take insurance at all. So it's like the resources to have that are, negligible you know it's yep. just it 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 feels impossible to take care of yourself in this country yep yeah i think that's a good summation that sucks i'm sorry i hope um, we figure something out we will i just i'm not i'm trying not to complain about it but um it just uh it, it just shouldn't like living in the u.s in the city you know trying to create things mm-hmm. you know for yourself should not be this hard, yeah. you know, and it makes me, it makes my heart go out to other people who have it way much, uh, way more harder. Right. Way more harder. Way harder. Way more harder. <laughs> right. All the superlatives. Yes, exactly. Um, so that's it. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad I'm you back. You don't sound too. happy to be you. back, but I'm glad you're back. <laughs> New York missed you. I'm, I missed you. I don't know if I missed New York, the city, but, um, 
I missed you. I missed um, my roommate. I missed my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I missed like not running around trying to track people down <laughs> to write about for this story. Right. Um, so I'm happy to be back, and I'm happy to hang with you after yeah, we're done with this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, guys, this is another episode. Um, don't forget about our Patreon link. We would mm-hmm. love your support. Don't forget about listener support, listener survey. Uh, check the show notes. We like put a lot of work into those of like trying to give you interview jumps and interview themes. And we'll put our social media links on there. So uh, we're trying to give you all the facts. Yep. All right. Love you guys. Love y'all. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>